You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. Good morning, New Covenant. Good to see you all here. It is awesome to be together. Welcome, everyone who's tuning in at home. Uh, we are so glad that you are with us. And if you would, if you're home and you are, you know, have a device or anything new, just give us a quick hello. Let us know that you're active and engaged. Just give a, you know, give a thumbs up emoji. Give a hey, what's up, New Covenant, or you know, something that lets us know that you are are excited to be with us. Uh, guys, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. You know, we 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 go through the announcements. We we talk about things like you know the. <laughs> Has it been a hard year? Like, <laughs> going. If there was ever an under uh, an understatement of the year, this is it has been a hard year. It has been a hard year, but we are continuing to move forward. We are continuing to believe that God is leading us. And you know that little video we show before I start. Um, you know that 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 is meant to communicate some things. We we communicate through that just things that we are about, our vision, our, our mission, our scripture that really directs a lot of what we do. And so I hope uh, we play that purposefully so that it just constantly is before us and in us so that we can know exactly what's, what's going on, why we do what we do. Uh, we are today going to be in James chapter 3 as we continue to look at the book of James as we are learning to live, that is the series, that is what we are trying to do, that is what we are all trying to figure out, I think, during, uh, not just during this crazy time, but always. It doesn't end. We're always learning. We're learning how to navigate this life, and James helps us. God helps us through James, and so we're going to be in James chapter 3. Verses 13 through 18. James 3, verses 13 through 18. Why don't we stand together as we read God's word? This is verse 13 in chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we give you everything that we have. And we ask you, God, to give us everything that you have. We need you, Lord. We need your spirit. We need your presence. We need your direction. Would you give those things to us, Lord, now as we study your word, that it would change us, that we would not leave this place the same way that we came in, that we would not leave this service for those who are home the same way than when we started. Because if we don't find change in, in you and in this, then we are just going through the motions, and that is not what we're about. So help us, God. 
We need you, Lord. Thank you for how you've met us already. Continue to meet with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. There is a, there's a popular term that has, I think, become more popular in recent days, years. It's the word disruptive. Disruptive. Usually we see it in the context of technology. We talk about a, a disruptive technology, a disruptive company. Uh, it, what it means is, is it's some piece of technology that or some organization that has come and just changed the game. It's, they've innovated in a way that drastically changes the way the organization operates, the way that we operate as consumers, the way that the world operates. It just comes in and it, it changes things. And it's been kind of a fun time. Maybe fun is a... Is a not the best word, but it has been an interesting time to see organizations and technologies that come in and bring disruption. Can you think of some that have done that? I mean, we, we, we see things like Uber now. It's crazy, right? I mean, an industry that existed for so long with taxis, and, and we see this organization come in and just kind of blow things up and say, like, yeah, we don't need yellow cab. We can all be taxi drivers. And if you remember when it started, it just, I mean, we couldn't get our minds around it. Airbnb, it's another one. Some of you are still like, I will never stay in some stranger's house. <laughs> but that's what they did. They're like, ah, hotels, we can all be hotels. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna figure out a way to network our, a bed in our house for someone else to come in and sleep. You think about Tesla, you think about Apple, I mean, in many ways, has been just so disruptive. And here, here's the thing. No matter what you think about these organizations, no matter how you feel about them, because we all got our things, right? You're like, never Tesla or never Airbnb. But however way you feel about them, there's one thing that we can at least all agree on, is that it, disruption is is never comfortable. It's never comfortable. And so it makes sense when these companies come out or these technologies come out and we're like, ooh, no, <laughs> no thank you. It's never comfortable. Definitely at first it's never comfortable. And look, that's the whole point of disruption. Disruption means that I am, I'm kind of being blown apart. It's, it means to break apart. When something disrupts, it's breaking apart. And that is, that's what we've been doing here in, in James. When we read James, that's what James does. He is disruptive. He is constantly disrupting. And I don't know if you feel this, right? When we read James, we're, we're in chapter 3, and it's just nonstop. Kind of feels like 2020. Like, just nonstop. I crack up at all the the memes and the things that I see online about, you know, 2020. And like, you know, one of my favorite ones is like at the end of the year, we're going to see December 31st and it, like December 32nd is going to come like the next day or at midnight, it's going to just, the clock's going to keep ticking and like the year, the year that will not end, right? That's James. He does not end. He is relentless. He is constantly pushing at us, poking buttons, pushing disruption 
to the point where we're, we can just read it and, and just want to close the Bible and push it away and be like, I can't, I can't handle it anymore. But we need this. We need him. We need this letter. See, James gives us disruption because he's giving us wisdom. See, wisdom is disruptive. That's the disruptive technology that he's giving to us. He, he is giving us wisdom. Wisdom, see, it comes in. It is disruptive. It cuts through and it breaks apart. It comes into a system that we think is working and working great, and it comes in and says, actually, no, I'm going to blow this up because you need to be thinking differently about what you're doing and how you're living. It changes everything. It changes the way that everything operates, and it is uncomfortable. uncomfortable and here's the thing discomfort is good we need it and I get it the year has been uncomfortable I no doubt life before 2020 generally is been uncomfortable 2020 hits and it's just like non-stop uncomfortable frustrating, not understanding, unclear, like all those things. But look, this is, this is not a bad thing in, in the sense that we need discomfort, we need disruption in order to, to evaluate our life and to change the way that we live. And you're like, I don't want to change the way I live. I was doing just fine before all this happened. Maybe. Maybe not. We all have areas in our life that need disruption, that need change, that need to be broken apart and, and awakened to see maybe there's something else that God has for us. We need disruption because, look, the world is a challenge. It is broken. Our lives are broken. And, and usually we don't see the areas where they're broken because we are often just so numbed by the stuff going on around us and the comforts of life and the, the distractions of the world that we don't see where we're falling apart. And we need the disruption, not just of the pandemic or of, of, of the things that are happening in our life, but we just, we need... We need the disruption that God's word brings to our life to heal the brokenness. We need him to come in and show us the brokenness and we need him to come and just change, change it all. And change is never fun, but it is what we need and we need to not resist it. So that's what we're learning. We're learning to live. James is teaching us how to live. Wisdom is the tool that, that God uses to not just fix brokenness, but to help us to live so that we avoid adding to the brokenness. God gives us wisdom in the book of James. We see it in Proverbs. We see it all throughout the scriptures. But he gives us wisdom so that we could live well. So we can live well. And one thing we learn from James is that wisdom moves. I've said in a previous sermon that, that faith moves. Faith is active. Well, 
Faith and wisdom are closely tied. And as wisdom comes into us, wisdom comes out of us. Wisdom is in motion. It's something that we have access to. It's something that we all can get, but it never sits still. It moves, it acts, and it carries us to good things. It's a really unusual virtue. It's one of the only virtues that I think we, we don't see a, a downside to it. This was um, a quote I, I found from two authors. They're actual modern-day philosophers, um, and, and this is what they write. They write, wisdom has a special place among the virtues. Other virtues typically allow of misuse or of undesirable surpluses. Thus, an intellectually gifted person may use her intelligence to commit fraud, and a witty person may use her wit to ridicule others. One may be kind to a fault, courageous to the point of foolhardiness, too patient, too generous. But one cannot, it seems, be too wise or put one's wisdom to bad use. When it comes to wisdom, good use is part of the very notion of wisdom. I thought this was a, this was a fascinating quote. This is, these aren't Christians. This is something we all kind of understand, that wisdom is good. <laughs> and you can't have too much of it, right? You can even see, you could be too smart for your own good, right? We know people are like that. Like, you're too witty for your own good, and you end up hurting people. Or you're too patient. But too wise? It's not really a, it's not really a thing. We can't get enough of it. And by its, by its very nature, it leads to good things because the more that we have, the better things are. And one of those good things that, that wisdom moves us into is peace. It's peace. It's an amazing connection that James makes for us. He connects wisdom and, and peace. Wisdom, something that we all need, and peace as something that we all want. We all want peace. Even if you wouldn't articulate it that way, I'm going to speak for you and just say, we want peace. You want peace. I want peace in my life. And so maybe the better question for all of us is this, not so much do we want peace, but where are you going? Where are you looking to find Where are you looking to find it? I think this is a question we are all asking ourselves today, right now, this year, this season. Where are you looking to find peace? If I had fill in the blank, I would have peace. Are you looking towards election day for it? Are you looking towards a vaccine? Are you looking at marriage for it? Are you looking at children for it? Are you looking at your job? Are you looking at your bank account? Are, what are you looking at where it's in your gaze and it's like, man, I, I am, I'm a mess, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, but if I had that, if I could grab a hold of that, if, 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 if this situation happens, then I will be okay and find peace in my life. And God is just constantly pushing us asking us the questions, saying, if you are looking anywhere, to anyone, to anything other than me to find peace, then you, you'll never find it. 
you'll never find it. It'll, it might give you comfort for a minute. And then it'll disappoint you. I mean, how many times have you just, you've wanted something so badly, wanted to buy it? Some toy, some kind of toy, right? Adult toy, like, you know, an, a, a, a grown-up toy. Cars, motorcycles. These are just things I like and want. And you go and, you, you, you know, your mind is consumed with it and you chase it. You chase it and you're like, man, if I just, once I get this, this will make a difference in my life and I'll be so happy. And you get it and you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then the next day you're like, eh. okay, but now I really want that. Same happens in relationships. Man, if my husband would just change, if he would just stop doing this, or if she would just stop, if she would just be like this, or he would just, or if my children would just, or if my boss would just, and, and maybe those things start to happen, and we, we feel that satisfaction for a minute, and then it's just on to the next thing and the next thing. This is our condition. This is our problem. And so this is why wisdom and peace are connected for us in the scriptures. This is why James does this. Because here's the, here's the deal. Peace is not something that you just get. As you gain wisdom and as wisdom moves, yeah, peace will come because you're actually making better decisions. You're, you're living a better life. But it's not just that because as you get peace, you now give peace away. You are a bringer of peace. You are a giver of peace, an agent of peace. And the Bible uses the term peacemaker in some translations. This is exciting for us here at New Covenant because hopefully you saw something like that in the video beforehand when we show this and we talk about this idea of wholeness. That's the shalom of God, the shalom, that's a Hebrew word that means peace, comprehensive peace. We, 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 we use the word wholeness to describe it, that this is what God wants from us to be bringers of wholeness to the world around us, to be a peacemaker, a peace giver. It's why James says it in verse 18. He says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Just let that sink in for a second as we keep it up there. We don't get harvest. Like harvest time is lost. Like harvest for us is Taco Tuesday, you know, and we just can eat as much as we want. Or we go to the all-you-can-eat sushi buffet. I mean, that's, that's a harvest for us, right? Where we're just, we're like gathering from the ground. We don't do that because we're not farmers, but a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of good things, of rightness, comes. It's, it's sown in peace, that word sow. It's farming language. It means it's what I'm planting. It's what I'm putting in. As I plant peace, peace grows, and it fills, and it, it, it surrounds us. It creates an atmosphere of peace. God, help us. We need peace. We need to be thinking about this in our, in our culture, in our climate. It, it's not peaceful out there. And it's not peaceful out there because it's not peaceful in here. 
And that's okay. It's not peace at all costs. Sometimes we, we, need, to, we need to fight. We need to push. We need to, 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 to right things that are wrong. But it starts with where is the peace beginning? Where am I finding peace? Because if I am fighting, fighting, fighting for what's right and, and what's good and just, which we should be doing, if I, but that, that needs to be with the goal of bringing peace. I want to be a peacemaker, a peace bringer, because God has brought peace into my life through his son. Through Jesus, we sang about, oh, praise the one who paid my debt, raised this life up from the dead. That's peace. But that peace came at a cost. The death of Christ on the cross. Wisdom helps us, shows us how to be peacemakers, how to bring Peace. He, it, it shows us how to respond to the brokenness in this world. I, I remember um, a while ago now, gosh, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, I was, it was in our last house. We lived in a townhouse in Tamarack, and <clears throat> um, <laughs> I was, uh, it was my day off, and I was walking my dog in my front yard. Dog was off the leash. I was just standing with my dog. And um, I, I watch a robbery take place in, in the house across the street from me. These men come running, pretty sure they were men, they come running out of the house, like hands, like arms full of stuff. And I'm, your mind just doesn't know how to process what you're seeing in those moments. My dog's going nuts, like barking, barking, barking. I'm like watching what's happening. Like, you know, what do I do? Two guys come running out. They jump into a car. The car backs out, speeds away. And in that moment, I am trying to respond and process all the things that I'm, you know, forget what you see in the movies, right? Like, it just all goes away. I'm like, okay, remember what you see. Like, I remember telling myself this, like, remember everything. <laughs> like, I couldn't remember anything. Like, some people ran out of the house into a car. I'm like, Look at the license plate, you know, and I'm trying to study it. Like, impossible. I, my adrenaline's going so fast. I run into the house. I call the cops, do all this thing. They come, you know, they, they interview me. I was like, two people <laughs> ran into a car, and, and they, they drove off, and I'm sorry. I can't do anything. It's, it's this picture of, of life and the craziness of life and how we try to process it all and live well that that's that's wisdom and i wish more wisdom could have been in me in that moment to like to help solve a crime but there was just not much i could do but there there are things that we can do in our life to help us process all the things that are happening with wisdom so that we would be bringers of peace and look, it's not just if someone's robbing you where this goes into play. This, is, this happens on a much more common level for all of us. Like, what if you disagree with me? Right, everybody just took a collective breath. Like, <laughs> what if we can't agree on something? How does wisdom play into that? How does peace come into that situation 
Wisdom helps us know how we can handle this stuff and to bring peace in the middle of our frustrations, in the middle of our brokenness. And so James, what he does, he, he's trying to help us and he can't address every situation, right? Here's what you do if you need to go to the store or if you need to vote or if you come in contact with someone who's robbing you or what, no, but what he does is he helps us to see in a big picture what wisdom is and what wisdom is not. And if we can understand these categories of what it is and is not, then it will help us to start identifying whether we are recipients of wisdom, whether we are embracing it, whether we are giving it or whether we're just way off because some things that seem like wisdom are not. Many things will seem like wisdom, but they are not. And God help us if we are trying to be agents of wisdom and peace, and we're just giving all the wrong stuff. So James gives us, we've been talking about wisdom for, for two and a half chapters for the most part. And James takes time again to, to just unpack it and say, he, he says, look, who's wise, who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise? Who is, why is he saying this? Because it's meant to do something. It's meant to draw a line in the sand. He's asking a question, who is wise? And he's saying, look, a lot of you need to read this because you think that you're wise, but you're really not wise. You think wisdom is coming to you, but it's not wisdom at all that's coming to you. He's saying some things seem like wisdom, but actually aren't. There is a false wisdom and there is a true wisdom. And so this has been building for three chapters. Chapter one, right? Just to give a little review. We we talked about, James said, you need to ask for wisdom when you're going through trials. Trials are going to come. You need wisdom. So go to God. Go to God in faith. Go to God strongly and, and ask him for it. And he says, look, there's a big difference between just hearing God's word and doing God's word. We need to not just hear. Wisdom says, hear it and and put it into practice. And then chapter two, he says, this is how you're gonna put it into practice. You're not gonna show favoritism based on superficial things like how much money someone has or the color of their skin or where they grew up or you fill in the blank. He says, you're not gonna show partiality based on superficial things. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and he gets to this point where the, the big statement that, that makes James James, faith without works is dead. So you say you have faith and you're not putting any feet to it, you're not putting action to it, then it's not faith at all. It falls into that false wisdom. And then chapter three, we talked about it last week. This was, this was big, right? How we use our words, how we speak, watching our words, taming the tongue, how deadly our words can be to other people. And you can tell a lot of, of a person by how they speak. And the language, it was big, right? It was strong last week. We all were walked out a little like, oh, like we got beat up. James is just, he goes in. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, set on fire by hell. Staining, staining the whole body. He says, no one can tame it. It's a little thing and it boasts great things. It does so much damage. And so we come right on the heels of that. And he says, who is wise and understanding among you? I've told you all this stuff. 
Now I'm going to tell you how to spot wisdom because we're missing it. We need this, the clarity of this. And he gives us a list. He gives us a list of what false wisdom looks like. And often we learn better when we see what something is not. Because the, this list is what we think it is often. <laughs> and we maybe wouldn't put words like this to it, but look at, look at the list. Bitter. Bitter jealousy. Selfish ambition. Boasting. False to the truth. Earthly. Unspiritual. And then he just says it straight up. It's demonic. This is the characteristics of false wisdom. We're just going to keep it up here for a minute because we need this. We need this list in our minds. We need it constantly before us as we are thinking and evaluating things that we see and we hear and that we say and we do. Let me just give a little bit of context to some of these. Bitter, je bitter jealousy. That should be one thing. Bitter jealousy. It, it, it's, this is where we get the word zeal from. It means rivalry. This person sees himself as standing for the truth, as jealous for the truth, but it's really just coming from bitterness. It's coming from selfishness. This person holds on to grudges. Envious of other people's accomplishments or of what they have, their possessions, and they feel like they have to make a comment. <laughs> Can you believe that car he drives? Can you believe... The jewelry that she was wearing. Think about how many children could have eaten with all that money. They didn't waste it. Right? There's this, this perception of like wisdom, of goodness, but it is twisted. It's all about what I don't have, what I want. Selfish ambition. This is selfishness. This person creates factions. They create that, that group that comes, to, comes with them. They gather people to lead the rebellion. And again, it, it has the appearance of wisdom, like it's standing for the truth, but it's not. It's about self. Boasting, someone who boasts at the expense of others. Please keep that list up for a little bit. Boasting at the expense of others. False to the truth is lying, exaggeration. We take pieces of truth and we, we, we insert it in so that it doesn't make it seem like we're really lying, but we're, we're lying. False to the truth, earthly, it's just opposed to godliness, unspiritual, no care for God, no care for what he wants, what he says. And then there's the final one, demonic, which is just it's evil. So what's the common theme in this list? What's the common thread? What's the center point for this list? It's self. It all revolves around the needs and the wants of one person person who is living in this false wisdom. So you want to be able to spot false wisdom? You need to look for, uh, for the thinking and the speaking and actions that all have to do with one person, and that's the person who, uh, who is doing the talking or the, the activity. And, and, and sometimes God gets mixed up in this, like we will put God's name in it to give it some kind of credibility, but it's not him. He's not involved. 
And we see this kind of wisdom, false wisdom, just everywhere around us all the time. It's in every corner of our life. And so we get so saturated in it. We get so consumed in it that we can't tell what's going on. It's me watching this robbery take place in front and going, I got this. I know what I'm doing. And then I walk away and I go, I don't even know what just happened. Some examples of false wisdom statements that we like to make are like, just follow your heart. Sounds good. Problem is our heart wants a lot of what it shouldn't want. How about this one? God understands. It's a false wisdom statement that we say, right? We want to excuse things that are happening, and it sounds so good because God is so understanding. God is gracious and merciful. We just like, God understands. God just wants me to be happy. Sounds wise. How about this one? But I'm right. But I'm right. I'm saying this. I'm bringing this to the attention. I am right. The, 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 the problem is being right doesn't give us the excuse to do whatever we want to do. I use this example all the time. I coach, I coach CrossFit on the side. I, I love it. It's something I've done for like seven years. It's awesome. We go running around our area. Uh, you know, we have a parking lot and we have some, tra- some pieces of of track that we run on, but cars are also on there. And, and I tell them, especially when it gets dark, and I'm like, look, you have the right of way when you're running. It ain't going to mean nothing after they hit you. Cars are going to smack into you, and you can all the way to the hospital like, I had the right of way. I was right. You're still hurt. You're still wounded. You are broken. You're bleeding. You're, you know, there is, <laughs> it doesn't always work that way where we just... Being right isn't the most important thing. It will not bring peace. It will bring trouble, loneliness, isolation, aggression, anger. And that's why James says, if you want peace, Seek the wisdom from above. True wisdom. Now look at this list is very different. And we don't even have to spend a lot of time on here because I'll just put this up and we'll all just kind of slump down a little bit. Because I think if we're honest, we probably most identify with the first list in one way or another, right? Maybe you're like, Adam, I'm not demonic. Okay, fine. You can cross that one off, right? Are you jealous? Is there bitterness? Is there false to the truth. Now, look at this list. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial, sincere. Now, let that just flow over you and through the screen to you that are watching. This is a very different list. When we start talking about how to apply the knowledge that God has given us into the world around us, into our lives, as we start talking about bringing Wholeness, bringing peace. This is, this is what we need to focus on. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial, sincere. 
that word gentle, not one we always like to, to talk about. It means not combative. Even under provocation, even when you're provoked, even when someone is poking you, wisdom comes in and says, I'm not going to respond in the same way. I'm going to ask the worship team, Megan and Sam, to come up. Open to reason. Oh, boy. We could do a whole sermon on this one. Open to reason. You know, this is a, this is a person who, who listens to others instead of attacking. It doesn't mean that they lack conviction. That, that's not the point. We can have conviction, but it skillfully applies the conviction to the situation. And it goes back to that whole thing of being right isn't everything. How we listen and take in what others are saying. We need this, man. We need this now. We need it hard. We need it. We need to be focusing in on what other people are saying because all we, social media is not the place for this to happen. It doesn't happen. It's, it's a lost cause on social media, I'm pretty sure. But are you open to hearing, open to listening, open to connecting with people and hearing instead of attacking? We talked about this, and we'll hit it again in, in a couple weeks. But then it just flows into being full of mercy, being impartial, being sincere. See, the, the focus of this list is so much different, man. God is the center of that list. God has to be the center of that list. If we want wisdom, God has to be the center. We need to not be the center of the world, of the universe, but God is already in that position. Let's let him take center stage and we can pull out and, and, and come underneath the wisdom of God who is at the center of all things and look at how he tells us to think and to process and to live. So the question is, which list do you see yourself more in? And again, this is one of those moments as we start to identify where we are. James told us before, it's like looking in a mirror and then walking away and forgetting what you saw. So as we start to see ourselves maybe in the wrong list, we now have the accountability of that in our face. And we say, okay, what are we going to do about that? Faith without works is dead. And this requires faith, man. It requires faith to even live in that second list. It is hard. It is challenging. Because people, we will think, if I act like that, I won't get what I want. If all I am is pure, peaceable, open to reason, everyone's going to walk all over me. James said it before, right? In the meekness of wisdom, the meekness. We're like, meek? I'm strong. If I back down now, the enemy's going to win. Back to the original question, where's your peace? Do you think God's lost control? Do you think he's lost control of your life? Do you think he's lost control of this country? Do you think he's lost control of this world? And that if I don't grab it with both hands and make it happen, God won't be able to handle it. 
where's your peace? Are you willing to not just live in that peace, but be a bringer of that peace? Because false wisdom brings disorder, it brings brokenness. That's what James says, disorder. That's what false wisdom brings. And, and hello, disorder abounds. Why do you think that is? <laughs> True wisdom brings a harvest of righteousness. It brings peace, harmony. Jesus came to bring peace to us. He endured the chaos. He endured the brokenness so that we would have peace. He suffered under the false wisdom, under the corrupt system so that we could be above it. We could find life in the middle of all of it and bring that peace to others. And so we need to submit our lives to him. So I just want to ask you a few questions. So James, James, the, the letter of James is like a big examination for us. It's a test for us to read and, and kind of evaluate our life. It's like a ruler and we, we measure up against it. And it's hard, it's strong, it's wisdom literature. And so it overstates, but, but every time we come in contact with these big statements that James makes, we have to decide how are we going to respond to it? So these are questions to ask yourself, right? Look, all of us in here, we have family members, friends who have different views than us. You are sitting feet, inches away from someone who probably has a very different perspective than you on a lot of things. In terms of faith, social issues, politics, parenting, these questions, I think, will help us to just take those first steps towards wisdom, towards bringing peace, understanding peace. It's this, what am I defending? What am I being? What am I sowing? What am I defending? Simple question. Am I defending God or am I defending myself? Really ask ourselves that question when we're in the middle of that fight and you don't wanna let go? Is it really because of God or is it because of you? Second question, what am I being? I know that seems ambiguous, but am I more passionate about being right or about being wise? This is coming from someone who loves being right, by the way. So you think I am absent from this exam. I love being right. I want to love you more. I want to love people more. I want to love God more. I want to love wisdom more. So what am I being? And then what am I sowing? Again, that's that farming term. What am I planting? What am I bringing? What am I investing? Am I sowing disorder? Or am I sowing peace? I want you thinking about this throughout the week. Just ask.
asking yourself these questions every morning as you're about ready to hit send that email or that text or that post. What am I defending right now? What am I being? What am I sowing? And if the next response in your mind is, but if I don't, then what? God loses? We need to trust him. And if you have never trusted in Jesus as your hope of this life, if you look at the world around you and you see brokenness around, I'm here to tell you that Christ brings peace. He brings wholeness. He brings life. And it's your opportunity and your joy to, to run to him and say, I need a savior. I need help. I don't know how to make sense of the world around me, but I need someone who does make sense of the world. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you so that you would find peace with God, wholeness with the creator. Run to him, accept him, put your faith in him, and he will lead you in ways that you've never thought possible challenge you to that if you've never done that, whether you're home or whether you're here. And we get a chance now to actually put into practice something very special. We get to take the Lord's Supper together. It's two things that God has, has commanded us, that Jesus commanded us to do as as believers, one is to follow him in, in baptism, and we've seen that celebrated over the last month. The second thing is something that we do regularly, which is to, to take the Lord's Supper, communion it's called also. It is a representation of the broken body of Jesus and the blood that was spilled by Jesus. If you call yourself Christian, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Christ. This is a very real way that we get to remember the peace that he brought. We get to remember the brokenness that was, that was endured for our wholeness. And this is a serious event for us that we are to take take these elements with conviction. And if today is the first day that you've accepted Christ, whether home or here, then this is, is a wonderful opportunity for you to follow the Lord in something that he has commanded us to do. And so we have these cups and wafers. They're all in one. This is helpful for us to, to keep with hygiene issues. And so we're just going to take a minute to reflect on our own life. The Bible tells us this is a time to examine ourselves. So we examine our sin. We examine the, the goodness of God, the forgiveness that we have in him. And if you, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, like, I just don't, I, I don't follow Christ. I don't really believe this. We are so glad that you're here. We love you and you are welcome here. And we would just encourage you. We would never want to force you to do something that goes against your conviction and your conscience. And so we would say, just sit Think, meditate, seek God, pray. And to not take the cup and the bread today. Because it's not just ritual. It's not meaningless. This is meant to be something that we engage with head and heart. And so we're just going to take a minute. We're going to 
pray, we're going to think, we're going to sing a little bit, and then I'm going to come back up and lead us in, in the elements. I will say this, the top piece sometimes is a little tricky getting off. Things they didn't have to deal with in the first century. So you, you might have to start playing around with it a little to get the, to get the bread out, but I believe in you. God will lead us. Let's pray. Father, we give this time to you. We say, would you just convict our hearts of the things that we need to hear? Thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the body. Jesus, you paid it all, all to you. We owe our lives. Sin left a crimson stain. You washed it white as snow. We get to remember that, honor that, and celebrate that this morning. So church, just stay, stay seated for a bit. Let's meditate, and I'll come back up and lead us in the next section.
thank you that we get to take the, the bread this morning and drink of the cup to represent the body that was broken, crucified for us so that we would never have to suffer that, that loss, that death, and the blood that was spilled to cover us, to cleanse us. Oh, that we would take so seriously this call to trust you and that that trust would shape everything we do, the way we speak, the way we think, the way we live. We thank you for the forgiveness that's found in your son and we ask to live lives that are worthy of his name. Pray in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread in our hands. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We take the cup in a similar way. He says in the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul goes on to say, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It is a reminder not only of what we have in Christ, but that he will return and that we have hope this earth, this world is not the end. But we look ahead to a day when all of this, all that is bad will be made right, all that is evil will be undone, and we will live with the Lord and one another in perfect unity forever and ever. Let's stand together, church. It's in Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. We say, amen. This is our hope. This is what will lead us into walking in wisdom and to bringing peace. We trust him. Let's live in that. We love you. We are here for you. Fill out connection cards. Let us know more about you so that we can care for you, pray for you, walk with you. I am so sorry about the rain. You are going to get wet today, but hang out. Feel free. The coffee bar is open. Please wear your masks as you're walking around. We're still trying to care for one another. We will see you next week. We love you. Bye.